welcome back to Wellness Wednesday with me, Siggy Helgeson. After several months hiatus, I'm glad to be back with you with more wellness stories to share and collective wisdom gleaned throughout the past year and a half. Together with some of my guests on this podcast, we're going to explore the varied experiences from individuals, couples, families, and teens through interviews with them, sharing stories about our experiences for the purpose of healing as we find nuggets of wisdom from the things we've learned about ourselves, our community, our world, and even our faith. It is our hope that you may find yourself relating to some of these stories, know that you're not alone, and hear in them encouragement as we begin to move out of this pandemic and ease back into the world. Concluding as always with a blessing to send you into the week. This week, we're talking with Sarah Moore. Sarah is a professor and the department head of psychology at the University of Puget Sound. This year, she had a sabbatical and she'll be sharing her pandemic story and what she learned about holding things both dearly and loosely. Well, um, for those who may not know you, mm-hmm. would you tell us a little about about yourself and uh, what was your living situation during the pandemic? Sure. So, um, where do you start? Um, I am married to Cooper, and um, we have four kids, uh, th- three of whom are uh, adults and living out of the house, and we have a fourth uh, child, Eleanor, who is in high school. And um, I am a professor at the University of Puget Sound and had a sabbatical, of all things, during the 2021 academic year. Um, So our living situation was kind of unusual because when the pandemic first hit in the spring of 20, I was teaching. I was teaching two courses. And... um, kind of like so many other people transitioned to teaching online at the mid-semester point and um, kind of navigated all that stuff and was home most of the time with Cooper and Eleanor. And then um, we ended up going to Holden Village um, in August, and that was sort of unusual how that kind of transpired. We had planned to go on sabbatical and go to Holden and then had finally after lots of uh, back and forth, you know, that was going to be in place. And then that was canceled. And so we didn't think we were going to hold. And and then in late summer, about a year ago now, got an email from them to say, actually, we would like your family to come up. Um, And uh, just so you know, it's unusual up here, uh, not the Holden village that you're uh, accustomed to. And so there's going to be quite a few changes living in the village because of the pandemic. So that was part of our living situation um, for six months together from August to March. And that was with yourself and your husband, Cooper, and your daughter, Eleanor. And how old is Eleanor? Eleanor is 15 now. She was 14 and turned 15 while we were there. Wow. And tell us a little bit, for those who may not be familiar with Holden Village, tell us a little bit about that setting. Sure. So it is a uh, 
a retreat and renewal center that has um, historic ties with the Lutheran Church. And it used to be a uh, copper mining town back in the 1930s and 40s. And then um, in the late 1950s, it closed down because it was no longer lucrative to mine copper. And so uh, Lutheran Church uh, bought it for a dollar because nobody, who wants to buy an old town? Right. I mean, it's yeah. it, and the other piece of this, of course, is that it is in the middle of the mountains. It's very difficult to get there. Yeah. Um, you access Holden by going to Chelan, taking the ferry up Lake for about two hours. Um, a school bus or some kind of van picks you up at the dock and then you go 10 to 12 miles um, up and into the mountains and are in the middle of nowhere. So there's um there's some cell service, kind of, sort of, it's through the satellite, but you can't stream anything. You can send texts and little bits of information. Mm. Um, and typically, the winter community has a 60 to 70 staff members and volunteers there mm. who host youth groups, retreats, and so forth at, that come up, ski weekend people, that kind of thing. Because of COVID, they had really cut back on the number of people who were going to be in the village. So there were only 30 to 35 people there. Mm. and um, Almost half. Yes. Mm. It was a bare bones crew, and everyone mm. who was there was just basically kind of keeping the lights on. Mm-hmm. Um, we, of course, had to, to, to work. I mean, you don't just go there for free. Um, and so we were part of that bare bones crew. Um and oddly enough, the reason our family was asked to come was because they needed a child for their school. Ah. Yeah, so Eleanor kept the school open. Um, Chelan County School District has a public school there, a little kind of one-room schoolhouse kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And typically there are, say, 10, 15 kids there. Well, all the families had left, and so we were the only family, mm-hmm. and she was the only student and they still had a teacher hired and didn't want to lose that post. Yeah. It would, might be very difficult to get that back. Yeah. Uh, right. So she and Karen um, were buddies all year long because, wow. yeah, it was really, it was really remarkable. Um, so she not only had in-person education, but her own private It was kind of like her own teacher, yeah. I mean, and wow. Karen typically teaches second grade, so I think they learn chemistry and algebra two together kind of thing. Um, and then, um, as it turned out, this was such a good arrangement, and come March when we were supposed to leave the village, um, Tacoma was not open yet for in-person education, and for a variety of reasons, it would have been very hard for Eleanor to rejoin what was happening midstream and so she and I stayed then for an additional three months Um, Cooper had to come back of course to start working again but we stayed so she could finish the academic year and I could finish up some of the projects I was doing there Wow. Yeah. What a great place for a sabbatical. It was it was good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was it, very, very lucky. Uh-huh. Um, and I did my research at night and uh, kind of chopped onions and did laundry and painted and actually turned into the village grant writer um, and did that during the day for my, for my jobs. Um, wow. And I think, um, it, it, you know, it, we were very fortunate because it's so remote um, that... We did not worry about contracting COVID 
there was a very, very, very strict quarantine procedure there. So you quarantine for 14 days. Um, and then when the COVID testing was available, I think around November, December, you could quarantine for nine and then do a COVID test. And if that were negative, then you could rejoin. Um, and the COVID um, protocols, like I said, were very strict because had the virus come into the village, I mean, help is very far away. There was like a medic person, but sometimes what we basically had was someone with first aid training and that was it. Um, so th that, that was actually very difficult to be in quarantine and then to live with such a small number of people in, in a remote location. Cause we had planned to come back and to see the rest of our family during that time and never came back. Um, except for once in that nine month period, um, because we would have had to re quarantine and, you know, you're just you're traveling was so difficult. So that that was uh, that was difficult given everything that was happening with our family at times while they were they were here and we were there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, say a little bit more about that. So, who's the family that you left behind? Well, like our other three kids, um, we've got adult children, but they had some uh, some different medical things happen that were very difficult. Um, one of our kids um, had a roommate whose uh, parent uh, died from suicide during that time, and our child was, our daughter was, um, you know, kind of had to break this news to the roommate that her father had passed away, helped uh, with that situation, and that was very tough. They were all struggling from just being locked down. Um, my parents, who are both in their 80s, caught COVID. Um, oh. Yeah. And so, I mean, there was just a, a number of things. And of course, this is all against a backdrop of so much uncertainty in the world. Um, from my point of view, just a crazy political um, environment. And um, it, it, you know, just felt like the world was completely unraveling in so many dimensions. On every dimension, the world is unraveling. Um, and you know, here we are very far away and we thought about leaving. And yet, what could you possibly do if you were here? Right. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing to stop all these things from happening. Um, so that that was um, there were days there where just being so isolated and the unable to come home was um, was tricky. Well, can you say a little bit more about um, during that time, what helped you uh, get through the challenges? Sure. Um, you know, um, interestingly, for people who are familiar with Holden, I think one of the things it's known for is um, having a very kind of a strong community that um, worships together daily. And that is true in the summer, I think, when there are guests there. That is not necessarily true for the winter community. And this year in uh, particular, the, the community was very, very small. And um, the people that we became close to are, were sort of unlikely people. I think most of the—I think two-thirds of the, the 35 people— were very young. They were like, say, under the age of 25. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and so people kind of my age, I'm in my mid-50s, uh, there were like 
seven people over the age say of like 50 mm-hmm. and um we lived um in agape which is this area above like um the laundry it used to be the the medical facility there mm-hmm. and it was just this kind of like strange hodgepodge of people who were up there and so um one of the things that helped was Honestly, the, when we got there, the place was so broken. They had been so shut down. They had been told that if they did anything that out of line, they were on the next boat out. People were really scared to talk to each other. Um, it was it was a broken and battered group of people who had lived through the spring and early summer together. And we got off and we're like, what is going on here? This is not the Holden that we have ever been to before. And so one of the things that helped was to try to um, uh, be kind of invitational in the way that St. Mark's has always been so invitational. And Cooper and I talked a lot about that. Like, Mm -hmm. these people need a dose of the radical hospitality that this church is kind of good at doing, I think. I mean, we're not perfect at it, but, you know, I think we we really kind of know how to throw a party, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, so... We started to throw like these parties in Agape and and try to like I would make a bunch of quiche and have like everybody in Agape, okay, over for dinner. There's eleven of us. Um and it was this weird group of just unlikely people. We got together and we just found common stuff and we ended up actually liking to watch Star Trek together of all things. Um <laughs> and because Lisa had these like you know, like these DVDs. Um <laughs> And we would watch those. And um, we started to, um, like, try to do music there because um, there was no pastor there the entire time, uh, or almost the entire time. Melinda left in October. And um, so, and they didn't want to talk about having worship because they thought that might alienate people who are not necessarily, uh, who don't identify with any religious practice. Mm -hmm. Um, So there were all these different forms of sacred space gathering events or whatever i don't even know what i mean they weren't they weren't services in the way that we would think of a worship service mm-hmm. um and so you know finding ways to kind of participate in that and um talk with people about the way in which i understand what it means to be lutheran and how that is germane to the interest that they have with social justice, for example, mm-hmm. um, that was helpful. And I guess I had not anticipated going up to Holden and being in the minority mm-hmm. with um, practicing any of these things together in community. Mm-hmm. It was um, that was surprising, but it was helpful to kind of sort of spin it like that or to try to like turn it into that for myself. Um, it sounds like by reaching out to others and offering hospitality yep. in agape. What a, and what a great, great place name. that agape, <laughs> the love and the having a love feast. And, right, right. But that's what we sort yeah, of, we were like, you know, yeah. we're showing you a little agape love, you know, we would, yeah. we would joke about it. But, uh-huh. um, yeah, we, be, our, we kind of all became known for that. Um, and the agape group, the agape group. Yeah. And people were like, well, yeah, we want to live in Agape. And we're like, yeah, we're, you know, like the coolest place to live. I mean, it was like we we just uh, had we had fun with that. Mm-hmm. But it was needed. Mm-hmm. And I guess I hadn't expected 
that at all. I've only ever been to Holden in the summer mm -hmm. with a village of, say, 300 people with a very robust uh, uh, community and, and worship, and worship. Mm -hmm. you know, like really, really uh, good and inspiring worship. Yes. And um, so it sounds like you yeah. created we some create of that, that community and offered that hospitality. Yeah. And what about, did, did you, because as you and, and Cooper write, beautiful music together and um and lyrics um did you have time to do some of that we did have time honestly it was hard to find much inspiration for it um like cooper's like you know you want to send me some lyrics i'm like i got nothing i mean <laughs> like yeah. no fodder here um but we ended up actually probably writing about i think eight new hymns songs i mean it was just weird there's nowhere to share them though that's the thing i mean you don't write hymns you always are writing to a group yeah you're always writing to a worshiping community and without the, that worshiping community it was hard to kind of imagine like uh, what who am i talking to mm -hmm. um but Plus, there's no sermons. So, you know, I oftentimes use, like, sermons and, yeah, like that to, to think about it. Yeah. Anyway. But you got, you did eight. You did eight. But that they're sounds all... like a lot, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just me. <laughs> well, they, they tend to, you guys will hear them at some point, but they all have these like, kind of themes as, like, um, hope in despair is kind yeah. of like like the common uh, thread of many of them so for advent one of the things that we had was a four-week um uh, kind of theme that followed sort of pregnancy so there was the theme one like week one was darkness and then like um, one was on like the womb and turning and birth kind of and so uh, we wrote a hymn where the there's four verses, one that kind of goes along with each of those weeks. And um, that hymn, um, the choir sang, there was a, there was a choir. And we, again, once we were all through quarantine, we could act like one pot of 30 people. Mm -hmm. um, and there happened to be some very good singers there. So that, that was pretty gratifying. Um, and Cooper wrote some gorgeous harmonies for that one that's one of my favorite hymns that he and i have ever written so uh, that one is very very special and um and i know that that meant a lot to the people in that community they really kind of uh, identified with uh, with that um so there was i'd say that was another source of kind of strength um and i would say the the other thing that i began really leaning into even more heavily than i do typically was just my own daily practices um of what i read and how i meditate in the morning and stuff like that um it's like wow i've i've got to do that it's not just a good idea mm -hmm. it's actually pretty critical um to to be mindful to make time for that every single day so i kind of i ramped that up as well mm -hmm. and that was that was good um so i think those are the main things that we did is try to you know spread the agape love be creative and take care of your own self so out of this experience what what have you learned what what wisdom do you have to share yeah, I um, 
I kind of got nothing on the wisdom part. <laughs> no, I doubt that. Um, I actually think um, one of the things that I feel like I've learned is this um, need to kind of hold everything very dearly and yet very loosely. That, um, and, and I would have maybe said that before COVID, but something about having so many things sort of ending or taken away or, you know, abruptly stopped where um, the, the things that we all had counted on the way the rhythms of life go and what what's open and what's available, all those things just went away and weren't, weren't true anymore. Um, and I think being up at Holden even more so in some ways, because, you know, you're just down to like two suitcases, a few boxes and a handful of people. I mean, everything is just kind of very simple and you're working with sort of bare bones. And so it's like, well, what do I really care about? Um, and make sure that I tend to those things with a great deal of care, but also recognizing that it may be gone literally this afternoon. And I've got to be in a place where I can kind of walk away from just about everything and everybody. And it sounds a bit morbid, but I, I, I guess I, I kind of got better at um, not having my own sense of security be so tightly wedded to the familiarity of people, places, and things. And um, getting kind of good with the fact that it, can, it just, these things go away. Like everything's got an expiration date on it. <laughs> Um, and at Holden, you really feel that because people come and go like you're dear friends with someone. And then that moment is over when they go down on the bus and, you know, you might make plans to try to see them later on, but maybe that's not ever going to work out. So I think that's one of the things I, um, I don't feel so, um, I guess I just feel more centered with that reality mm -hmm. more being able to live in the present mm -hmm. and not having these expectations right. of, and know. not having expectations for how anything is going to work out no. yeah um, so yes I've got plans mm -hmm. none of them may come to pass and will I still be okay yep mm -hmm. you know um Yep. <laughs> and um, and knowing that uh, just because I can't tell what the f what the next month or three months holds for me or, you know, year or whatever, I can't see around the corner. Mm -hmm. And I think I was used to being able to see around the corner before mm -hmm. because the, there was no corner. It was just pretty much straight straight ahead. And so you could see down the road and anticipate what things were going to turn out like typically. And and that just feels like that's been severely disrupted by this experience. And um, I think in the past, when I was younger or before COVID, that would have upset me or made me feel insecure. And that does not, I don't fear that like I would have in the past. Mm.
So as we um, start to move back into public spaces, and you've come back from Holden, mm-hmm. you're you're back home now. Um, what are you looking forward to? Um, I am very grateful to be able to spend time with Cooper again. I really missed not being with him when we were um, apart during those three months. I really am just glad to be spending time with my kids. Um, I look forward to actually coming back into this building to have um, in-person worship. I very much appreciate the hard work everybody's put into the online services, but those actually don't do much for me in terms of feeling connected. Um, and I know they work very, they, it, other people feel very connected to it. So I don't mean it as a criticism of that um, no. at all, but it's just like, man, that does not work for me. Yeah, um, so yeah. yeah, I'm looking forward to having that again. Um, you know, today I was walking home from school and one of the neighbors sort of popped out. She was going into her car um, as I was walking past her house. I haven't talked to her for a year and a half. Oh, my goodness. And she and I talked for maybe 20 minutes on the sidewalk. I thought, okay, I liked them this, you know. Yeah. I, yeah. So I'm, I'm enjoying those sorts of moments. Yeah. yeah. Well, Sarah, it's been such a joy to oh, talk nice. with you, and we so appreciate your... You are taking the time and glad you are back. Thank you. Thanks and for asking me. And we look forward to, yeah, look so forward to hearing more and um, hearing the beautiful music, yeah. you know, that you that you wrote with well, thanks. Cooper. Yeah. yeah, thanks. A blessing for Sarah and all those who bring hospitality. Sarah. You went on your sabbatical with your family, only to encounter that you were the only family, and there was not a lot of community left at the place that you hold so dear, and you remembered having such a vital community. You discovered instead a broken and battered group, socially isolated due to COVID. So you threw an agape love party with radical hospitality inviting others who lived with you into community. Your baking and cooking meals brought much agape love into a place that was in deep need of that kind of community. Even though through this time, as you were cut off from much of the world, you managed to find ways to survive through rituals of meditation, making music, baking, and watching Star Trek. During this past year and a half, you have learned to boldly go where no woman has gone before. Thank you for sharing your story and for the reminder to hold things both dearly and loosely, tending to those things that we really care about and also holding them loosely as we have been learning to do. This podcast has been produced and edited by Cody Schumann, for whom we are deeply grateful. And now, here is the bonus hymn by Sarah Moore and Cooper Sherry. Mm-hmm.
hope gently coming into light. Gently go. 